big struggle for sales managers and sales leaders is reflecting strategy. They don't have that in their weekly agendas. Hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-grown companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already, let's get to it. All right, Theo, warm welcome. Thank you so much. Really nice to be here. Yeah, good to have you on board. And let's uh, kickstart. What is uh, your role at your own company? So I'm the uh, CEO, you can say, but what I do is that I coach sales leader within the tech and scale-up space on how to build a scalable sales team. So basically how to increase the revenue per sales rep instead of hiring new uh, salespeople. So that's basically what I do. Yeah. Cool. And uh, what brought you into that space? Can you tell me a bit about your previous experiences? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I started out uh, selling recruitment and staffing uh, services back in 2015 to 2018, roughly. And after that, yeah. I went into the to the sauce space. So first uh, Mentimeter, and then I went to uh, Karma, a food waste app, and worked there until basically, I think it was 2021. And during that time, that's when I started my own company. So I worked with my own company at the same time as Karma and where I helped other uh, tech and scale-ups to increase their sales and so forth because I thought that it was fun. I wanted to try it out. I, I did it for free a lot of times. In, right. uh, in return, they were references uh, for me. So after a while, I was like, yeah, I can do this uh, full-time, basically. So yeah. I quit uh, at Karma and just pursued it for a long time. Uh, or for full-time and uh, after that uh, I worked uh, with that for like a year and then uh, Netigate reached out to me and asked if I could join them as a consultant to help them build the outbound process and so forth which I did and now this summer in 2023 I uh, finished that uh, consultancy job and have just been doing my own thing since then so that's basically the process there but why I pursued it was mostly because I I thought it was pretty fun and uh, I've been pretty decent at it, basically. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> and uh, let's jump right into it. I mean, uh, obviously, there's a lot of companies struggling with uh, sales, sales leadership and like ramping up the, the sales people to, as you said, become more efficient, not just beyond the average level. Uh, what can you say is the most common pain or problem for why you like would bring in a person like you instead? Mm. Great question. So when I started out, I thought it would be the companies that actually had bigger problems and bigger pains of actually getting new deals that would be my main, you know, customer base. Um, But quickly, I kind of realized that that's not the case. So that was the same thing with Karma, if I can give a a metaphor. Uh, Karma, we help. Uh, grocery stores sell out uh, uh, their food waste. 
So we thought that we should go to the stores that had a big problem with food waste because there's more material to sell out. But what we realized that they had never prioritized food waste. So it didn't help that much to add a software. So when we then went to the ones that were had just small amount of food waste and so forth, we could see that they did tremendous change in working with it because they had been focusing food waste for a long time. And kind of the same thing have I realized here within the last couple of months is that the ones that had been focusing their sales um, their sales enablement, their way of coaching the salespeople, they have been my customer base. They want to take it to the next level and kind of get both challenged by me, but also get my opinion and, you know, um, get yeah. my way and frameworks and so forth. So uh, I would say that a common theme is, hey, we love sales, but we have had some problems with outbound and inbound this last year, and we think that you could have out. Basically. Mm. So it's uh, like any problems within that space, either that the sales reps are not efficient enough, that the leads have, have dropped or, or the like conversion rates have dropped or anything related to that. Yeah, so uh, exactly. And it's usually that we, how, how it is to work with me is that we usually do like a current state analysis in the beginning. And then mm. we work with each other for uh, eight weeks with different themes on each week. And it's everything from what I can tell, you know, within being a leader in a, in a sauce or a sales organization, uh, you are usually a pretty good salesperson that then got hired or promoted into a sales role, a sales leader yeah. role. But you have never got to develop as a leader or anything like that. So you kind of start out fresh. So a lot of them that I manage or, or coach have felt a bit scary to leave sales because it's been a big part of their safety and they're like feeling secure within that space. Uh, so helping them on giving them coaching models on how to coach other people, uh, coaching their sales team, getting them to realize that sales and leadership is quite similar. You need to sell why the salespeople should sell more but then also mm. providing like a rigid structure of both sales processes, which I have developed uh, before, and also sales uh, proactive sales training uh, routine that they can do for years to come. So yeah. yeah, basically that's my main. Yeah, and just to understand like what is it that you sell and, and go in and implement? Is it an eight-week program then? Or like how do you package it and then leave and then come in again and so on? Exactly. So uh, most of the time... I'm very, uh, I have said no to uh, plenty of companies as well during these last months because I want to give the most bang for the buck. So usually it is uh, SaaS companies that uh, take a scale ups that want to increase their sales per rep and are working uh, quite a lot with outbound. So it's mm -hmm. usually around, you know, 60-40 split between inbound, outbound and so forth or even more with the outbound. Uh, yeah. levels so and then that's when we do this eight-week uh, program basically mm -hmm. yeah and is it mainly smb or like enterprise or it's uh, so yeah great question so everything from having around 30 to 40 employees up to roughly 450 is where yeah. i help out uh, get, is it is it getting bigger than that there's too much rigid structures and, and processes already uh, yeah. And is it under that uh, I I realize that I'm a bit too expensive and 
they don't get enough bang for the buck with my system. So uh, that's mm. that's usually how it is. Mm. And uh, I want your input on this one. Should a sales a, a person within sales that gets a promotion should they continue selling or should they stop selling and only focusing on coaching and managing? What's your the, take? The boring answer. It depends. Uh, I would okay. say steer away from it most of the time. So is it if you are in a scale-up journey where we don't really have enough salespeople for a full time to manage these people? I could clearly see a, a use case of having a split role, um, yeah. uh, like a team leader role or whatever you want to call it. I've been in that role as well. But it's not, from my side, It's I don't think that that's the best use case. Uh, I would like that person to move into a, a full managerial role. Uh, but after that, uh, and then building on uh, with those things. It doesn't mean that the sales manager shouldn't be in the trenches and doing cold calls and helping out and being in the meetings. It, it doesn't mean that. But taking away yeah. the quota to actually be focusing on the, the right thing, which is the developing. However, yeah. what I also is a big advocate for is you have when the team is big enough is that you have basically two different leader roles. The one role is sales management. It's more the HR, more the, you know, salaries, quota and so forth. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then you have the other, which is, which I call more head of sales, which is more focused, no personnel under them, but more, this is how we sell. This is how we train, you know, those kind of things, uh, focusing on more the the structure and strategies of the sales. And these two should work very closely, but, I can tell that it's it's two different types of people. And yeah. I would say that a lot of really, really good salespeople should firstly stay in that sales sales position if they want to move up. In my experience, they have been better off moving into the head of sales, but yeah. a lot of sales companies go for the sales manager role, which is, you know, you don't get enough, uh, you don't get that great output from that person in that role most of the time. Mm. And I think yeah, a lot of companies don't even differ between those. They just say, now you're responsible for sales. And then it's admin and coaching and everything in one blob yeah. instead of the two different paths, basically. 100%. 100%. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, interesting. And uh, if uh, you are going in and like starting to, to analyze, what's the, what's the first thing that you do to try to map out, okay, how's, how's everything working? What's working? What's not working? And so on. So most of the time is in the current state analysis, we go through both the, you know, the hard metrics, you know, how many customers are you getting in each, uh, each month? What's the churn? What's the ACV and so forth? How much is the inbound versus outbound? A lot of time, you know, we have had a golden rush where inbound has been a lot, which has been great. Uh, however, most Companies have kind of been dropping inbounds last years and uh, they want to go more outbound. So a lot of them don't even actually know their ICP, ideal customer profile, because they've only gotten inbounds. And the thing yeah. when you get inbounds is that you can't really determine what companies that will contact you while, and you can't really decide the ticket size. While yeah. you approach people outbound, you can really decide who are we trying to get to and so forth. So that's what we do in the current state analysis and just checking, but also soft metrics. How is the, the leader's coaching abilities? What models are they using? 
And also I have a matrix that's really, that people really, really love uh, that I've created myself where we look at the team that they have on a matrix, which is social influence and results. And mm-hmm. that gives you, and then we map out the sales leaders, sales people within this matrix. And we can clearly tell who's, you know, you always have those people that are great at talking yeah. a lot, but don't produce. And we set, you know, uh, we set a strategy on how to win your best account, which is your sales team. So that's mm-hmm. usually how it starts out. Uh, and then from mm-hmm. there, we take it, uh, you know, we build up a, a bank of things that needs to change and set the time for when it's time to do those things. Hmm. So you go in and do this analysis with the head of sales or sales manager and try to map the whole team into yeah. the metrics and the hard metrics, soft ones, and then you like try to sell it to the team to get their buy-in, so to say. Um, yeah, or not quite, because a lot of times when people come to me, it is a change that they want. And yeah. uh, so it's not that hard of a change for the team. Usually, usually the team understands why the sales leader have brought me in. A lot of times I yeah. don't need the sales team that much. So I'm more of a coach uh, working uh, two hours a week with the sales leader and just giving bouncing ideas, but also guiding and steering them in the right way forward, basically. Mm, makes sense. And uh, what's the holy grail metric that you would like to uh, look at current state and then when you're leaving to like see that you've uh, succeeded or uh, the team is happy with your uh, uh, your delivery, so to say? I mean, of course it is uh, sales. Uh, I mean, to be to be frank, uh, sales is mm. the most important yeah, no part. No shock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, but then also I see that the, the sales each... Uh, customer that I have have their own kind of agenda of bringing me in. Is it the, the close rate? I mean, I helped one company increase the close rate with 83%. That was a big deal for wow. them. They had yeah. a ton of people, you know, ghosting them. And it was quite clear when we started to look into how the salespeople were doing their sales is that they had big problems with the personally bond with their prospects. So obviously the prospects, didn't have a you know didn't see the salespeople as a human more as a salesperson it was pretty easy to ghost so mm-hmm. even though i look at the sales and also uh, you know uh the how clear it is for the sales leader what they need to do which is more of a you can't really measure that but the result of that one is sales That's so it. yeah and obviously it takes some time a lot of times it doesn't make a big difference the first eight weeks but the months afterwards, that's where it really gets uh, gets going. Mm. And I guess it depends on the sales cycle as well, uh, because you have to like refill f- new prospects and like try to if if outbound focused, of course. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit easier with inbound, obviously, as you say. So, yeah. uh, but outbound, obviously, it takes a while, especially you know some of <clears throat> some of my customer has has deals that I mean they're not too great, but I mean buy no problems with over 100k euros uh, ARR so those yeah. those deals takes a little bit longer than you know the ACV of 75 to 80 yeah of course yeah 
Yeah. And uh, on the topic of uh, like coaching sales reps or, or managers, what would you say is the most uh, challenging thing either for you coming in or for the manager? Like you said, change management. That was not mm. so difficult because they're often aware that we need to do something, right? Yeah. What is the most common thing? Is the activity levels? Is it to get things into the CRM or what type of issues is it that you um, stumble across? I mean, firstly, the first one is the sales leader actually owning being the leader, like owning his or her her own role as the leader. A lot of them have been in the sales team before and got promoted and taking that step of being we're equal to now I'm the one that you're reporting to. That's a difficult, that's a difficult step for a lot of people. So that's the first one that I usually stumble upon. Then it's, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of it is uh, scalability on how can we do this in a more scalable way. So, <clears throat> you know, a lot of them do sales training one on ones instead of being able to proactively make a sales training uh, system that's yeah. including more people. So, you know, uh, I'm an old swimmer. You know, with a few national goals, I know how it is to be in a high high competitive level. You know, if you are yeah. a group of people that is in this standard. And one person that comes in that's down here. If we don't practice together, this person will have a much harder time to come up here. But as soon as you practice together, this person will just develop so much quicker. Um, mm. But then also, uh, ch- a lot of times, just challenging their own truth. So one thing, talking about CRMs, for instance, you know, I've had so many times a sales leader says like, oh, I have these two reps that that have a really struggle with putting their, you know, meeting notes into their CRM and those kind of things. And I was like, okay, how do you handle it? And I was like, well, they sell a lot, so it's fine. And I was like, okay, what does the CEO say when you, when when he or she asks about, you know, the sales rep or how many meetings they've had? And then they say like, no, 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 I, I tell them that, Trust me, I know that they're doing their job. And I was like, so I usually respond to that. So you mean that you have sales rep that are not doing their job, which you accept. And then when your CEO comes and asks you, why are they not doing their job? You say it's okay, which means that you have accepted that you're not doing your job. Is that how you look at it? It's just the domino effect going. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's fine until they don't perform, right? Yeah, 100%. But it also, I think that, I mean, I understand. First of all, you need to look at it at, is there too much to do in the CRM? Like, is it too many buttons to click? Do we ask too many? You know, those things. But 90% of the customers that I have had have been a salesperson or similar within this organization before. So they have done everything. So just like, have you had troubles with making sure that the CRM is updated? No, 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 I never had problems. So why would they? Yeah. Of yeah. course, if it's is it a dyslexia thing, is it like an NPF or ADHD or anything else that might trouble it? It's always special cases, but most yeah. of the sales reps should be able to just document the things. Because if you don't do that, one, your numbers won't be right in the CRM, which is devastating for you to do close lost analysis, close one and all yeah. of those things. But other, what kind of signals that that also send to other things? If you're lenient with these things and you can scrub that under the the mat, I don't think that you will actually be able to lead uh, in the way that you want to. 
Uh, I mean, yeah. there should be a, a, a lowest level, you know, and I think updating your CRM is one of them. And I agree, but uh, we have a CRM, so of course uh, I'm an advocate for pipe management and everything. But <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, as you say, it, of, of course it uh, like sends a signal uh, of a behavior that's being okay, and then mm. just more and more and more, and then uh, that will just be be copied. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So I mean, lose the prognosis and everything. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I, I really think you know a lot of ten, a lot of times when we have done this current state analysis the first thing that they do afterwards is a close lost analysis. And mm. it can clearly tell when they haven't been updating their, their CRM. It's yeah. to like, for lack of a better word, it's a shit show. It is. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. And, and the, like, if we go into solution mode, how do you solve mm. it? How do you solve that problem? Let's say, because I can imagine a lot of sales managers or head of sales have that issue today, right? How do they solve that? So first of all, once again, make sure to check, do we have too many steps in our CRM? Is it, yeah. is it actually non-manageable within the terms of how many meetings they should have and so forth? Could you, you, know, could you uh, automize it in some way with transcription and, and integration and so forth? Would be great. If, that's, if you have checked that one and it's all working fine, most of the time you need to address this with the salespeople in group and tell them why this is important. A lot of times the salespeople understand that they should update their CRM, but they don't understand the, the vast problem that it the creates. The what's in it for me, maybe. Exactly. That mm. a lot of times how I have helped sales leaders to change that is we, have, we won't be in these roles for the rest of our lives, there will be people that come afterwards. And we have a lot of, you know, discussions that this is not working, this isn't good. And that is fine. Mm -hmm. But the reason why we are here is to make sure that the next people that come afterwards will have a better experience working here in this role. And one of those steps is making sure that we know what is working and what is not. And we can't do that if we don't have everything logged in the CRM. And yeah, after yeah. yeah, after that speech, it's pretty usually a done deal where everyone is updating. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's the like taking uh, zooming out a bit for, from uh, my day to day as a sales rep, basically just logging my notes. I think that's 100%. good. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Mm. But what uh, yeah. you have a big experience of CRMs and so forth. What's yeah. uh, what's your thoughts on this topic how do you get sure that your customers are actually doing this it's it's a challenge and i mean uh, a lot of uh, crm uh, companies they don't really talk about the like step that you have to overcome in order to actually leverage that value which is in fact just putting in the data uh, we say that uh, the crm that's not being used is worthless and the one that's actually used that's the best one whatever features but as long as it's used that's the best one uh, so i mean we try to, to talk a lot about uh, the um, the what's in it for them why should i do this as a sales rep yeah i agree uh, nice to hear it from from your side i've never sold a crm so it's uh, i've only been a happy user of them uh, yeah yeah but it's it's a big challenge and i would say that uh, 
change management is the most important thing that we see with our customers that they really need to to overcome. Uh, and then it's just a lot of routines and uh, like our sales niche, it's a lot depending on, as you say, the manager. Because mm-hmm. if they don't have a philosophy of, let's say, weekly meetings, pipe management or whatever, then why would the end user care? If they don't nag about expected order date or updating the pipe uh, process steps or whatever, then no one will do it. So that's the, the first thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. But uh, let's move into a, a segment called the quick ones. I want to shoot some uh, quick uh, questions and I want some quick answers. Um, favorite tool in your revenue tech stack? I got to give you two. I, I use Vam for videos, which I thoroughly enjoy, especially in uh, uh, a lot of people use it for uh, outreach which I do yeah. from time to time, but I usually tend to use it later on in my sales stage, which I like. And the other one, you know, I post twice a day on LinkedIn. Uh, AuthorUp yeah. is my absolute favorite tool for LinkedIn. So AuthorUp is uh, amazing. AuthorUp. Yeah. I can send hmm. you a, a link to it uh, afterwards if you want to. Uh, I think yeah. it's great. Affiliate link or? Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I love it. I used it. Uh, I became an affiliate uh, two months ago, but I've been using it since uh. the first week of beta. Why I love it is because one, uh, I get to see both uh, when I write, I get to see how it will look straight away in the feed for a phone, for a tablet and for a screen. Uh, but then mm-hmm. also the analytics page is where I can go in and see how my the last 365 to I mean, even longer, I can see how my posts have performed and I can, mm. uh, I can just reuse them straight away. Uh, so it's a very simple tool to use. But those are the nice. ones because I create a lot of content and uh, I do love video. So I like them a lot. And so, yeah, those are the two that I mm. use the most. Yeah, please send the link. I'm yeah. all for uh, becoming better at that. Uh, at that. So mm. definitely. Nice. Uh, and on the topic, uh, how do you come up with things to post on LinkedIn? Great question. Uh, I have uh, in my notes, I have uh, uh, a page that it's called LinkedIn Brainstorm. So every time I okay. get like, oh, I should post about that in LinkedIn, uh, I, I write it down there. I'm also looking okay. into getting a, uh, a transcribing um, a transcribing a meeting transcriber uh, right now. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that will do that is to use that as transcribing and then uh, hook that into ChatGPT and ask ChatGPT which of these things do you think I could po- make as a give me like two alternatives of LinkedIn posts for this. ChatGPT mm-hmm. usually creates shitty uh, LinkedIn posts, but it gives you fifty yeah. percent of it at least. It's very like corporate and uh, oh my god, it's it, horrible. Uh, stick in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, on on the uh, like running your own business topic, what's the best thing about that? I don't have a manager. And what's the worst thing? And the stress of doing everything for yourself. Uh, the stress of uh, the first months when I jumped from my uh, consultancy uh, and I thought that I had a three, four months runway, but apparently uh, there was a miscalculation in my taxes. So unfortunately, all my runway disappeared. So 
uh, I went from having four months to zero. So the first six weeks, mm. I didn't sign anything. Uh, but then in October, why, my seventh week, uh, that's when it started to. So in October, I invoiced a little bit over 30,000 uh, 30, uh, euros, which I'm super happy about. So that's when it started rolling. Wow. Yeah, so I'm yeah. really happy. And November was a pretty good month too, uh, around 20 and so forth. December would be worse. But so the stress of, uh, uh, I, you know, I have ADHD. So a lot of things that bore me is difficult. So the stress of not mm. being in control is probably the worst one, I would say. So not that yeah. quick of an answer, but yeah. Ah, but still uh, <laughs> a bit of a rabbit hole, but we, we managed. Yeah. And uh, last one on the, the quick uh, quick questions. Uh, one thing that you use ChatGPT for that you th think it actually delivers on? Write this sentence shorter. Okay. For That's, what purpose? I do that uh, maybe eight to ten times a day. So okay. even though I do use it for bigger things, it's when I li uh, write LinkedIn posts. And uh, most uh, people make a uh, mistake of writing too long. Uh, mm -hmm. So with... And now I go back to author up. I can see if the line will break into a second line and so forth. So I use ChatGPT to write my sentences shorter. Um, so that's that's the best use case in my, or the mm. most use case, I would say, right now. Mm. God, mm. I sound so bad at ChatGPT. Maybe I'm horrible, <laughs> but for real, that's the one that pops up. You write really long sentences. That's just it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, but moving back to the like sales training and, and uh, those type of topics, um, I can imagine going into an organization, you have to deal with a lot of different tools, a lot of processes, a lot of old maybe playbooks, and you talked a bit about automations. Uh, how would you say that maybe the tool fatigue has increased lately? Because I can imagine that there's a lot of different tools, as you mentioned, VAM, LinkedIn, and so on. Uh, how do you do like an evaluation and prioritize what to keep or do you don't do with that at all or how does that work? No, 100%. I mean, we have seen a big, a big cleanup of tech tools for sales organizations. Yep. Uh, and I mean, some of them are must-haves like a CRM. And I would say LinkedIn is a must-have as well. Uh, yeah. what, what I usually do, it's also in the current state analysis where we we they have to write down all the tools that they're using in the in the in the sales stack and then they have to rate them one to ten in how much it costs versus the value that they're actually getting out of it and some tools yeah. is pretty difficult to evaluate so i i ask them to go by the gut feeling i know that we shouldn't go by the gut feeling but this is just yeah. and then every tool that they rate under seven they have to actually go through and be like, is this something that we should keep? Hmm. So that's uh, that's where it is. So, uh. I mean, a lot of times I go in to, you know, help out of increasing their sales, but also increasing their margins. And, you know, hmm. you can't just have a tool because it's nice and easy. You got to give you something back. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. This makes a, makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> What's the most uh, CRM, of course, must have, and I, for one, love to repeat that message. But yeah. uh, uh, what uh, what other tools have been like at the top uh, top tier that is uh, very much appreciated by the sales reps? Would you say, or the manager? For managers, especially if you have remote teams, I would say 
something that you can record your calls and record your, your meetings with. Uh, super okay. important with enablement. Uh, and then also, if you're building a remote team or if you're building a, like a hybrid team, you know, we have this discussion of are we, do we really have, a, you know, a culture when we're not there? And then you don't have, I usually call it remote enablement. There are mm-hmm. no, you know, tools to actually make sure that people feel included in that kind of sense. You maybe have, you know, Microsoft Teams. I think that that's yeah. all right. Now, like I strongly uh, if you're going to have hybrid and so forth and you have a sales team a lot of times within tech and scale ups it's a pretty junior team it might be their first or second uh, workplace as a sales team invest okay. invest in uh, a virtual office uh, such as uh, you know the two top of my hand is uh, head is uh, Timico and uh, knock for instance uh, i think that yeah. that that is something that most people don't see as a must-have, but I think that if you're trying to build a hybrid and uh, a remote team, those are must-haves. Feeling connected mm. with your teammates and so forth is is crucial. Other than that, it's very situation-based on the company, which is a must-have and a need-to-have, I would say. Yeah. Mm. I think that's um, underrated those uh, type of, of tools and uh, becoming more and more important. Uh, yeah. So that's an interesting take. 100%. Oh, yeah. One one more that I would... Uh, 100% uh, sales navigator. If, you, yeah. if you're doing outbound and you're doing a lot of prospecting, there, in my mind, there isn't anything better than uh, LinkedIn and also sales, uh, sales navigator. Yeah. And the... On that uh, topic, we talked a bit about the analysis of tools, the uh, matrix mapping, and uh, all of this, all of those things. What else is it that you do in terms of looking at maybe sales process, activity levels, and can you maybe share some of the most common mistakes that your the teams do or their managers that you've seen and like tried to adjust? Hundred percent. Great question. So. When people get in uh, coaching by me, there are a few things. So a year ago, I was a consultant as a sales manager. So let me tell you. Yeah. And, and what I realized was, damn, there are so many things here in my role that I should have gotten help with that could have, like, that could have just not tripled my output, but the whole team's. And that's basically what I've done. I've just like, I wrote all of those things down and I managed to create those things. So as soon as you start to get coached by me, it's that you get a sales process that which is, a, I call it system agnostic. It's a sales process mm-hmm. that you can basically plug and play on whatever tech or scale up that you're using. So you get that ramp up. You also get a rigid uh, t- uh, training session uh, that you can keep rolling. For a long time and you also get different coaching models and so forth so there's a, a yeah. few things that just gives you a lot more tools within your leadership that makes you have a bit more bigger path forward because most of the time the big struggle for sales managers and sales leaders is reflecting strategy they don't have that in their weekly agendas which means that they are putting out fires instead of actually thinking the long long-term mm. and long-term vision. So that's most of the time what I, I force the ones that I coach into and I help them build a system around that so they get a little bit of that each week. 
Yeah, that uh, makes a lot of sense. And I can imagine that there's a lot of, as you said, one-to-one coaching. Let's try to map out this case or this next step and then just, okay, how can we lift it, uh, lift the eyes and then set a structure for not this one, but the whole team the coming months, basically. Yeah, exactly. And it's What's not, your it's take not on... uh, sorry, uh, I just want yeah, to say like one-on-one coaching still needs to be there, but there's no mm. way you can scale your sales team if most of the coaching you do is one-on-one. There is no way, mm. no way. You'll, you'll, you'll get to five, six reps and then, then it starts hurting. Yeah. And then what's your, what's, what's your take on like uh, creating a single source of truth? Like uh, where, should it be a playbook? Should it be a video library? Should it be uh, written down somewhere? Like how do you create that and start building on those uh, different blocks? So uh, it, it depends a little bit what, uh, from case to case, what uh, the, the, the people that I coach get is uh, I have mapped up a whole uh, sales process, which is basically, so a playbook and so forth. A lot of times, the sales leaders that I help haven't gotten a stickiness in that. They don't have, their salespeople are not in it uh, and looking at it and, and using it. And it's because the management has built it to control the salespeople, not to elevate the, the salespeople. So I have yeah. a playbook where it is 80% works everywhere because it's, it's system agnostic, but it's focused so much on what sequences should the salesperson uh, work, how to do the meetings. It's very, it elevates the salesperson a lot. And from that yeah. sales training system that we build in, it all goes back to that sales process and sales playbook. And this is when you're on your own as a sales manager, it can be difficult to connect that uh, to each other. And that's what uh, is a very big key to make sure that that becomes the single source of truth. And when someone, you know, you will always have innovators within your sales team. It's so important to look, okay, you're doing this now. Continue trialing this for three or four weeks. Do you really see that this is fruitful? We'll add it into the playbook. So that's the, I would say, is the important part. Yeah, valid point. Last question, uh, a bit uh, futuristic. If you were to uh, talk a bit about maybe trends or things that you uh, look out for in the future, talking about sales training, coaching, uh, what do you think will, will happen in the future? Yeah, so I'm actually right now doing a, a SAW Sales Leader Report 2024 where I interview around 60 to 70 SAWS leaders. And the yeah. big thing that I hear is sales enablement, fair and square. It is sales ena- uh, enablement across the board, basically. So this is, uh, I've now interviewed around eight of them. And uh, so I have, you know, 40, 50, 60 left. Uh, it would be interesting okay. if this is changing, but it is sales enablement, basically, uh, which a lot of times is sales leader enablement, making sure that the sales leader feels confident and know what to do in their sales enablement. So yeah, yeah. Uh, some people are looking into hiring sales enablement persons, but most of them seems to put that that role into the sales leader. Hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, a buzzword to look out for, basically. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, lastly, do you have uh, some name suggestions for me to invite to this podcast? Yeah. Um, 
I do. I would like you to in, uh, talk to the head of sales at Intelliplan. Her name is Sophie. So I'll okay. uh, I'll give you an introduction there. I think that she will have great uh, things to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. And Thanks. then I have another one that I was thinking of before. Damn, and now I don't. Let me write that to you because I don't remember what, yeah. where the hell did I write. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry, man. We but, can yeah. take it in the in the DMs. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. That's uh, that's awesome. And uh, I'm going to do a quick summary with the three of my main uh, takeaways. Uh, one is to do like a current state analysis. And regardless if you're struggling with things, but look at the, the team analysis with the matrix, the tools, and rate them with one to 10. And I think that's a super good exercise just to do regularly, honestly. Uh, another one is to differentiate the head of sales versus sales manager. I think that should be done, right? To talk about career paths and everything to put people into the right direction. Yeah, and can then, I add uh, something the, there? The... Just one thing yes. with that. I think that's so. It's one of the best things. But also, the 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 team needs to have grown a bit before it is, vital. It is even financially okay to have two leadership positions in that kind of sense. If that makes sense. What's the size? Would you say the sweet spot when it's okay? It depends on what kind of you know. Are you profitable? Are you you know all of those things? But I would okay. say that if your your team have grown to fifteen salespeople plus, it's a pretty decent chance that it would be great to have one head of sales and one sales manager. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. And then last one, the buzzword sales enablement. That's uh, one thing to uh, look out for going yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just want to add something there too. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, yeah. There's so many sales enablement is not just reactive sales training. A lot of people are talking about you know, deal pipeline or call reviews, which is great, but those are reactive. And sales enablement needs to be proactive and it needs to be similar to the sales meeting. So objection handling, objection prevention, negotiation, all of those things that people are like, oh, should we really do it? Yeah, you should really do it. It makes a ton of difference and do it on a weekly basis at least. So let me rephrase that one then. So proactive sales enablement that leverages the sales rep, not for the sales manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And the mic drop. There we go. <laughs> All right. Thank you so Theo, much. Man. Thanks a lot for uh, for joining. It was a blast uh, having you on board, and uh, good luck with uh, everything going forward. You too, my man. Nice to meet you. You too. Bye. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone. One call closed. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. While we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast and enjoy the rest of the See ya. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects that's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Last quarter, I smashed my quota. Short memory, I forgot what I sold you. Sales pro wisdom like Yoda. I wonder which my prospects that's your phone up. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales, I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone. One call closer while sitting at home. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phone. Gotta hit the phone.